Genesis chapter 12. Uh, verses 1 through 9. We're moving ahead in our series in the book of Genesis. We stepped out of it last week uh, just to talk a little bit about uh, the, what's happening today with the 5th the Street campus and the, the move to, from two to three services. And so now we're jumping back into uh, Genesis. Uh, you'll notice that we skipped uh, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Uh, we're coming back to that tonight. So if you come back tonight in our 5 p.m. service right here at Lincoln Avenue, this campus, uh, we will be uh, looking at Genesis chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel. This morning, we're moving ahead to a guy named Abram or Abraham. You probably know him as Abraham. And I'm going to begin reading about his story, and uh, which is really the story of the gospel in verse 1 of chapter 12. So you follow along with me. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The New Testament tells us that's the gospel right there. It's the gospel being preached for the second time in the book of Genesis, okay? Verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife, took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and, and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, today. God, we thank you for an opportunity to gather and just sing praises to your name. God, you're so worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of, of all honor and glory. Uh, God, you're a God who brings blessing. You're a God who blesses and who, who makes promises that are just unbelievable. And Father, we know that you're a promise keeper, uh, that you are totally faithful all the time. And so, Lord, we rejoice and we stand in those promises. God, we look to them, we live for them. Uh, Lord, give us grace to, to be like Abraham, uh, to believe you, uh, that it might be counted to us righteousness. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, so far in the book of Genesis, we've, uh, we've examined God the Creator. Uh, we've looked at God creating man in the image of God. And then we looked at marriage being a, a part of that image of the, of the triune God. Uh, we went forward from there to Genesis chapter 3 to the fall. And, and then to, to, uh, to the, the broken relationships of Cain and Abel. To a couple weeks ago we looked at the worldwide flood. And now, now we're really at a transitional time, a transitional point in the book of Genesis. Where we begin the life of Abraham. Now what you need to understand. Man, I forgot my little prop that I was going to bring. I just realized that. that, that I was going to bring you. National Geographic uh, from like 2001 or something like that. But the cover story on it is Abraham, father of three faiths. And if three faiths, I don't know if I said that right. Uh, but, but they're talking about uh, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Now, actually, Abraham is only the father of one faith, and that's Christianity. And we know that from, from the scriptures. And we, we, if Abraham were here today, he would tell you that. But, but what we see from that National Geographic article is that Abraham is an incredibly pivotal guy in the scriptures. 
scriptures, okay? Uh, it, it, so much so that even when you look at the book of Genesis, you've got like 11 chapters covering thousands of years, several thousand years of human history, including a catastrophic worldwide flood, creation, the fall, all those big events. And then you've got the rest of Genesis, like 28, 27 books of the book of Genesis, just basically on Abraham's life, his son, and his grandson, okay? So, so Abraham is incredibly significant. The rest of the Old Testament really describes the descendants of Abraham and this, this promise, these promises that God makes in this passage. The rest of the Old Testament is lived out. And then finally, Jesus coming is the culmination of, of that final promise. And so, so really, you could say the rest of the Bible is about the promises that, that God makes to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12. Now, you're going to notice, uh, just to clarify, make sure everybody understands this. Uh, I know that the passage I just read calls him Abram, okay? That was his name. God changed it to Abraham, and I'm probably going to just use Abraham. I may go back and forth, but what, what, it's the same guy, okay? Don't get confused. Abram and Abraham are the same guy. Whenever God intervenes in somebody's life, he changes them, amen? That's true in our lives, right? When it, whenever you, you're a person of faith, God transforms you. And, and, and so much so that in the, in the Bible, a lot of times, God would just change their name. I mean, he would just say, okay, you're going to be so different that I'm going to change your name. Abram's going to become Abraham. You know, Saul is going to become Paul. And, and Cephas is going to become Peter. I mean, that, that's the transforming nature of God's, God's grace in, in people's lives. And so Abram and Abraham are the same name. Now, yesterday, Haven tells us we're driving to McDonald's and we're in a van. And Haven says, I don't want to be Haven Esther anymore. I want you to call me Princess Ariel. That's a different thing totally, okay? I don't want you confused, okay? Sometimes when people change their name, it doesn't mean anything, okay? But in the scriptures, what it means is that God is changing their destiny. He, he's, he's transforming them in, in, in f- fundamental ways, uh, and he does that with believers as well. Now, notice how this passage begins, all right? And I want to hammer this. I did it a couple weeks ago, but uh, we see it over and over again. The passage begins in, in chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abraham. Now, that's a significant thing, okay? We saw that with Noah, and we're going to see it again and again. Folks, that's always the way it begins. Every great story of God begins just that way, okay? With God's word piercing into the darkness of a person's heart. You know, you got these ordinary people. You got you got Noah, you got uh, Abraham, you got Moses, you got Paul, yeah, you got the disciples. And it always begins, the story begins, the transformation begins with the word of God piercing into these guys' lives. You know, with the disciples, there they are fishing, they're, they're they're fixing their nets. Jesus walks by and says, hey, you guys, follow me. You know, I mean, it always just begins. The story begins with God's word penetrating into the hearts of men. And I bet if, if you're here today and you're a believer, you can say, you know what? That's what happened to me. Now, that, that's the way my story started. It was a sermon. It was a conversation with a Christian friend. It was, a, it was, a, it was you opening your Bible uh, in, in your room or maybe a Gideon Bible in a motel room or, or maybe a Sunday school lesson or maybe your dad taught you the scriptures. But it began with the word of God bringing about a conviction in your life, bringing about promises or truths or commands. And in fact, the Bible says that faith is, in, is not possible without the word of God. The word of God brings about faith. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And that's exactly what happens here in Genesis chapter 12. If we, if we go to the book of Hebrews, you're going to find Hebrews 11. We're going to be there a lot. So if you want to stick your, your bulletin or something in there, we're going to be back and forth there. But Hebrews 11 in the great chapter of the hall of faith um 
It says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was, to, he was to receive as, as an inheritance. Abraham hears the call of God. He's called to a certain thing, okay? So the Word of God always brings about faith. Faith comes about through the Word of God. Without the Word of God, there's not a revelation of God. There's not a, a pulling back of the curtains. Does that happen in your life where God pulls back the curtains and He reveals Himself? He says, this is who I am and this is who I want to be in your life. Uh, this, this, is, this is what I've done. That's what the Bible tells us. The Word of God tells us what God has done. It tells us what He's going to do. Okay, that, That's the Word of God. It always begins with God speaking into a person's heart. And man, that's what we want to happen here at Lincoln Avenue. You know what? That's why we went to three services. You know why? It's because we want to make room because we want you to bring more people into these seats so that they can hear the Word of God. Does it have to happen here? No, no. But sometimes it does. And, and, and that's what we want. We want the Word of God to go forth because we know it always begins with the Bible. It always begins with God's Word penetrating into the hearts of men, okay? Now, God initiates contact with Abraham through the Word of God, okay? Now, another thing we need to understand, Abraham, to our knowledge anyway, from, from us reading the Scriptures, has done nothing impressive to catch the attention of God, Okay? He seems to be an ordinary guy. Basically, what we know of him is that he, he, he's 75 years old, so he's lived 75 years of his life. Uh, he's from Ur. It's up in, in kind of what would be Babylon. Uh, he's there, it's a pagan family, Genesis 24-2. Uh, jo- or not J- Genesis, I'm sorry, Joshua 24-2 tells us that Abraham's family are idolaters. They, they worshiped other gods. And so so here, basically, we got a guy who's just an ordinary guy. He's probably not, not, not a follower of the true God. His family's idol worshipers. Abraham isn't the Bible Bee champion. He doesn't have a perfect Sunday school uh, attendance award. I mean, I mean, there's nothing significant, nothing special about this guy until God intervenes in his life, okay? Abraham's a sinner just like you and I who God decides to bless. God initiates blessing into his life. You know, you've heard me say this before, but I mean, it, it's something we got to understand. God doesn't need us, Okay? You know, I know it's great to be needed. And let me tell you, people need you, okay? Your family needs you. Your church needs you. Uh, other people need Christ in relationships with you, okay? So if you have a need to be needed, that's where it's met. And you should feel that. And that should be heavy on you. Uh, it, it should be a significant thing in your life to realize that other people need you. They need you, the, the grace of God coming through you. But, but here's the theological truth is that God doesn't need us, okay? God, doesn't, God did not appear to Abraham because he had some need in his life that needed to be met. God was not hungry. He's not thirsty. He's not worn out. He's not tired. He's not frustrated. He doesn't need any counsel. He, he doesn't need advice. He's not lonely, bored, confused, insecure, sick. He's not deficient in any way. God appears to Abraham. God speaks to Abraham. God pursues you and I for this purpose to bless us and to bring glory to his name. Isn't that good? Isn't that, isn't that exciting? That that's the character of God? That God appears, that, that God intercedes. He, he intervenes in people's lives in order to bless them, to reveal himself, which is his blessing to them, and to do good in their, in their life. Notice Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Here, here's the, the blessing, the promise that God makes to Abraham. He says a couple things here. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and on him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
Folks, to bless someone is to bring good into their life, to do good things in their life, to benefit them in some way. That is the character of God. One of the things I want you to get from this message is to see the character of God. God's not a taker. He's a giver. Okay? God's not a taker. He's a giver. God is a blesser. God is one who brings benefit to people's lives. Notice what he says to Abraham. Several things here. First of all, God blesses uh, Abraham in, in the form of a promise. Okay, several promises. Number one, land. He says, go to the land that I'm going to show you. If we look down in verse 7, Abraham gets to the edge of Canaan and the Lord appears to him again. And he says to him, to your offspring, I will give this land. So God gives him the promised land. In the modern day, what would be Israel? Uh, would be that big strip of land along the Mediterranean coast there? Uh, God gives that to Abraham and to his descendants. Israel is there to this day. Uh, back in, uh, what was it, the 60s with the, the, the Seven-Day War, uh, Israel became a nation again. Uh, a lot of people think that's a significant thing in, 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 in God's, in Christ's return. Uh, anyway, we won't get sidetracked there, but number one, land, okay? Number two, descendants. He says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. If we go into Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, he says, that he, he says, and he brought him outside. He's talking to Abraham again. He says, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Okay, now the really significant thing about that is how old is Abraham? We read it, you remember? 75, okay? 75 years old. He is childless. He, they have no children. His wife is about 10 years younger, but still uh, they're a childless family. And God says, I'm going to make this promise to you. Your descendants are going to be as many as the stars of the heaven. I'm going to make a nation from you, Abraham. Okay, that's God's promise to him. And then in verse 2, notice again, he says, I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to make your name great. Another interesting thing, if you come back tonight, this is going to make more sense, but uh, the Tower of Babel. You remember the sin of the Tower of Babel? Uh, people come together, God's telling them to disperse across the earth. And they say, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're, we're all going to stay right here. We're going to build this city. We're going to build this tower that stretches up into the heavens. And we're going to make a name for ourselves. You know, we're going to be somebody. We're, we're going to be great. We're going to make ourselves great. Okay? And God says, no, you're not. You know, and he confuses all their language. He disperses them all over the earth. And in the next chapter, what happens? Here's this guy, this pagan up, up, up in, in, in Babylon, you know, worshiping other gods. God appears to him. He says, look what, I'm going to make your name great. Okay. It's the difference. Uh, I would almost say this, and we're going to talk more about this tonight. It's the difference between seeking greatness through your own works or seeking greatness by trusting God to make you great. Okay, that's the difference between chapter 11 and chapter 12. So God says, I'm going to make your name great. He tells him in, in verse two, you're going to be a blessing. Okay, you're going to do others good. Man, that that's a great promise. I was thinking about that last night. I think everybody wants that. I mean, don't you want that? Don't you want your life to be a blessing to other people? Don't you want your life to be a benefit to others? I mean, that, that's a neat promise to make to somebody. I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to bless the nations through you. You're going to be a blessing to other people. Your life, your ministry, uh, the, the way you live, you, just your presence in people's life is going to be a benefit and a blessing. Man, I want that. I want that promise uh, to me. Man, that, 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 that's huge. Then he, then he says this and at the end of verse 3, all the families of the earth will be blessed in you. Now, if we go to the book of Galatians, let me show you something interesting. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, this is what Paul says. He says, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, Gentiles are us, people that aren't Jews, by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. You see, the New Testament says that, that's, 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 a, that, that's the beginning of the preaching of the gospel. That God says to Abraham, your seed, your offspring, you know, in, in you, in this thing that I'm doing in you, I'm going to bless the world. 
And what happens? Well, Abraham has Isaac and Isaac has Jacob and Jacob has the 12 tribes of Israel and through them the tribe of Judah and through the tribe of Judah comes David and through, through David's house comes Joseph and Mary. Through Joseph and Mary comes Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, through whom all the nations of the world are blessed. See that? God's a promise keeper, isn't he? And so, so he makes these promises to, to Abraham he tells them to go, and we're going to deal with that in just a, just a minute. Uh, but, but the emphasis here, I want you to see, is, is what God will do for Abraham. God is clearly for Abraham, okay? God is for, you know, Paul says that in, in the book of Romans. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, the Bible wants us to feel the, the, the incredible blessing of having an almighty God who is for you. Who is intent to bless you, to reveal himself to you, that you might be blessed. I mean, when else does that happen? I mean, who else is going to offer you that, you know? Do you expect to knock on your door anytime soon, someone open up and say, you know what, I've got all power and all riches and all glory and all the universe, and here's what I'm going to do for you. You know, I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. I'm going to give you a nation, a land, eternal fame, so much that you're going to be a blessing to all the world. Only God does things like that, okay? Only God does things like that. He did that for Abraham. Nobody else can do that. There is no one else and nothing else in life that is like God. When God promises to do wonderful things for you, that says something about who he is. It says something about who he wants to be in our lives. God is a blesser. God is a giver. Okay, And when God reveals himself, he, he, he is blessing you. Now, notice how God reveals himself. God reveals himself through promises. Okay, uh, And God delivers on his promises. Uh, this is called a covenant, really, is what God's doing here with Abraham. He's making a covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant is where you bind yourself to do a certain thing, okay? We might call them contracts today. You know, you sign a contract and you say, I'm going to pay this much money or I'm going to, I'm going to do this for you. You know, some of you are in business and, and you, you have contracts and we're going to provide this service for you and you're going to pay this much and, and you make this agreement, okay? God is, God is revealing himself to Abraham and saying, look, this is my part of the covenant. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm, I'm, I'm bless you. I'm, I'm going to do everything, basically. And Abraham's part is simply to believe. That's, that's all you do, Abraham. You just believe, okay? You, you, just, you just follow. You just hold out your hands and, and believe that I'm going to do this thing, okay? But God is a, is a promise-making God. Always he does that. He's a covenant-making God. Now, we, we're a little hesitant to make promises, aren't we? Uh, I'm hes- are you hesitant to make a promise? I am, especially with my kids, you know? My kids are asking me all the time for certainty about certain things, you know? They're trying to get me in a weak moment and pin me down that we're going to do something. And, and I'm really good at evading that, you know? I do things like I say, well, if we can, okay? We'll be there if we can. We'll do that if we can. We'll, we'll have to see what comes up. How many times you say that? We'll just see what comes up. Or, you know what, we're planning on it. How about this one? If everything works out. You ever do that? If everything works out, we'll plan on I'll do my best. We'll see. The chief of all uh, evading promises words, maybe, right? You ever, you, ever do, you ever say those type of things? You know, what are we doing? We're leaving ourselves an escape clause, right? We're saying, you know what, I want to do this, and, and I think we're going to do this, and I think we can. I think we have the resources. I think we have the time. But just in case something happens, just in case I wake up and don't feel like it, just in case I'm tired, just in case I've had a bad day at work, just in case whatever else might come up, I'm leaving myself an escape clause where I won't have to fulfill what I've said I'm going to do. Okay? God never does that. God is a promise-making God. He commits himself. He makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to do this in your life, Abraham. Not a maybe, not an if. Not a we'll see, you know, how you turn out. We'll see if you don't blow it, which we see right away. Abraham begins to blow it. But, but that's the point. 
You know, if you look at, 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 at God's, God's promise going through Abraham and through Jacob and through Isaac and through the 12 tribes, man, you know what you see? You see these guys blowing it over and over again, getting themselves in horrible messes and trouble and God coming in and fixing it and bringing them out. Why? Because it's God who, who, who is moving through history to bring about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the blessing for all nations. It's interesting. Nothing is given to Abraham immediately. You notice that? Okay, God appears to him, all these promises. What does he get that day? Okay, he gets a promise. Okay, that's what he gets. Uh, God could have done it a different way, couldn't he? God could have showed up with a baby. Now, that would have been impressive, right? I mean, stork-like, you know, come down. Hey, buddy, you're going to, you know, you're, you know, we don't have a son. Here you go. There, you know. Or, he, you know, he could have made it so Sarah got pregnant the day before or a week before or a month before or three months before, you know. And before they kind of knew it, God shows up that day and says, hey, you're going to be great. Hey, we don't have any children. Yes, you do, you know. Sarah, you've been feeling a little sick lately. You know, I mean, God, God could have done that, couldn't he? God could have gave him something that day. You know, he doesn't give him the promised land that day. Uh, the Messiah doesn't, doesn't come that day. The Messiah could have come through maybe Sarah or, or uh, she wasn't a virgin at this time. Maybe somebody else at that time. God could have done something that day. He doesn't. He gives Abraham a promise, okay? Sometimes we have trouble with that. We're, we're an instant gratification society, aren't we? You know, we're like, okay, I want to come here and, and I want God to fix this today. Okay, God, if you're real, fix it today. Okay, God, I'm sitting by my spouse here, God. And if you're real, okay, fix them now. You know, right now, God. And, 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 and sometimes we think that's the way God works, you know. God, I'm, I'm holding out my wallet, Lord. Okay, if you're going to provide, fill it now, Lord. Fill it now. You know, we, we want things now. You know what Abraham got? He got a promise, okay. And what does Abraham do with that promise? He believes God. Okay, that's Abraham's claim to to fame. Okay, is that he's a believer of God. If we go into the book of Galatians, Galatians makes this very clear. Verse six says, just as Abraham, listen, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay, he doesn't say anything about Abraham, you know, being being circumcised. It doesn't say anything about Abraham doing works of, of, of faith. It doesn't say anything about Abraham doing, doing this or that or these good deeds for God. It simply says Abraham believes God. And notice this next part. It's counted to him as righteousness. God puts righteousness in his account. That's Galatians 3, 6. He, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now notice the next verse. Verse 7, Galatians 3, 7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. It's the people of faith who are sons of Abraham. Okay. Abraham shows us how to be a person of faith. Abraham shows us how to be righteous. Abraham shows us how to be a follower of God. And what do you do? You believe. Okay. You believe God. Abraham had faith that God would do what he said he would do. Now, specifically, if we go into the book of Hebrews, Abraham had faith in the goodness of God. Okay. In the blessing of God. Abraham faith, had faith in the riches of God. In the inheritance of God. Now, let me read you some verses here. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive 
as an inheritance, okay? That word inheritance is a significant word there. He was called uh, to go out to receive an inheritance, all right? Abraham is going, he's moving, he's traveling through his life. Why? Because he knows there's, there's an inheritance coming. God's got something good for me, okay? That's consistent with, if you go up a couple verses in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who... Who seek him. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. You see what? Verse 6 is a significant verse. It says, if you're going to have faith, you got to believe that. You got to believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That God's the kind of God that rewards. He's the kind of God that gives. He's the kind of God that blesses. Okay? You can't have faith if you don't believe that. If, if, you, if you think God's the kind of God he just wants to take from you, you know, he's just a taker. You got to come put in your time. You know, it's just, it's just a matter of who, who, can, who can gird themselves up to bear the miserableness of Pastor Jason's sermon enough, you know, to earn brownie points to get to heaven, you know. If that's the kind of God that you serve, you're not believing in the character of God. You're not believing, you, you've not heard the revelation of God. You, your eyes have not been opened to see God for who He is, because God is a blesser. God, God is one who gives an inheritance. God is one who rewards those who seek him. Faith is believing that what God has for you is better than anything else. Faith is believing that, that following God and loving God and the plan of God is a treasure. You see, that, that's, that's what defines a Christian. Is a Christian says, man, what God has for me is awesome. What God has for me is good. What God has for me is blessing. What God has for me is an inheritance. So I'm following God. I'm going after God. I'm going to open up my Bible in the morning and I'm going to to get down on my knees and pray and I'm going to get involved in a church. I'm going to get involved in a small group. Why? Because there's this confident expectation. There's this hope. There's this excitement in me because I know the character of God. I can go back to Genesis chapter 12 and say, man, what's God like? God's God's the kind of guy. He he appears to people and says, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you a land. You're going to be a blessing to all the world. That's, that's what God is like. I don't know about you. I want a piece of that. I, 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 I want that. That's who God is. Man, I want to be with him. I want to follow him. I want to love him. I want to seek him. I'm going to go after him. He said, well, pastor, but I don't know the details. You know, I don't know the specifics, you know. I'm, I'm, I, God, God needs to tell me how it's going to work out. If, I, if I'm going to give time to him, he's got to show me. If I'm going to give my money to him, here's what a lot of people say. If, I, if I'm going to give to him, you know, God's got to go ahead and put it in my account before I write the check, okay? You know what? That's not faith, okay? Abraham didn't get that. If we go back into the, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says this, by faith, uh, Abraham o- obeyed when he was called to go out to the place uh, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, listen to the rest of this, not knowing where he was going. Hear that? Abraham didn't have any specifics about where he was going or how this was going to work. What that means is he had no physical evidence, did he? I mean, God just tells him, go. Here you go. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a nation. Okay, but there's no, there's no specifics. There's no colored brochures of Canaan, okay? He, he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what it's going to be like. There's no slick PowerPoint presentation. This, this wasn't like a timeshare sale, you know, where, where you got pictures and you, you, you get a tour. And there was none of that. There, there's no proof that, that, that Sarah's going to have a baby. 
You know, I mean, there, there's no positive pregnancy test. Her belly's not getting any bigger, you know, uh, at least from not, not having a baby anyway. You know, there, there's no ultrasound to check things out. There's no running to Walgreens, you know, for some kind of test. I mean, there's no physical proof that this is happening. And you know what? There wasn't for 24 years. Do you know that? After God makes this in Genesis 12, they have a son. Isaac is his name. You know when he comes? 24 years later. <laughs> no specifics, no physical evidence. But you, you know what? You know what Abraham does? He believes. Not perfectly. We're going to see that here in the weeks to come, all right? This, this guy messes up. This guy doesn't get it right all the time. But, but for the most part, he believes God. He trusts the character of God. He's following God. Think about this. And this is kind of a trick question. What physical evidence do you have for your forgiveness? What physical evidence do you have for the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of you? What physical evidence do you have for uh, uh, an eternal heaven, you know, that has fullness of joy and pleasures forever, forevermore? What, what kind of evidence do you have that God is right now doing Romans eight twenty eight in your life? That he's working every bad, difficult, hard thing in your life out for good? What physical evidence do you have? Now, some of you are going to say, well, I do, you know. First of all, I'm a changed guy, and I have different desires, and I have a different heart. And that's, that's it, it is, I agree with that, okay? There, there are some, some definite demonstrations of the Spirit of God in our lives. Okay, I believe that. But what I'm saying is, for the most part, we don't have physical evidence for that stuff, do we? I, I can't, I can't, we can't go outside the door here and show you the eternal heaven that's coming. You know, we can't, we can't step into that. We can't go take pictures and tour and get our place all ready. You know, we can't do that. For the most part, we are people who live by faith. God reveals himself to us. We say, I believe you are who you say you are. I trust you. And so, so I'm going to follow you. Sometimes that means going without. Sometimes that means sacrificing, making some sacrifices right now. Trusting that God has something better for us in the future. Foregoing present comforts for, for infinitely better rewards to come. Abraham did that. If we go back to Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 9. It says, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents. Bible, Bible makes a lot of that. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer builders God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those guys were all wanderers, man. They, they never settled in the city. They, they never settled down, bought property, built houses. You know why? Because they were always going. They were always on the in route to the promised land. They're always waiting for what God would give them. Okay? Now, is it better to have your own piece of property with a little, uh, you know, two-story balcony, you know, jacuzzi in the back? Is that better than living in your Coleman tent? Well, it would seem that that's better right now, right? Is, is having your own piece of land better than going from KOA to KOA? Well, it would seem yes, okay? But what Abraham and, and, and Isaac and Jacob, what they believed is, you know what? What God has for us in the future is infinitely better than what we're missing out on of the comforts of life right now. See, that's what faith does, man. Faith, faith is always saying what God has is better. What God has is better. He, he, it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth going without. It's worth whatever. Because what God has is better. So God makes these incredible promises to Abraham. Some of them, by the way, already been fulfilled. You know, most of them, you know, the promised land that was fulfilled. Uh, offspring that was fulfilled. 
uh, the Messiah, that was fulfilled, okay? God, God's already shown that, you know what, when he makes these promises, he keeps them, okay? But, but let's look at, look at Abraham's response. What does Abraham do? Well, he believes, okay? He believes God. All right, but there are some visible evidences when you believe, okay? Faith has works, okay? Now, don't get that mixed up. It's not we, get, we do work so that we please God. No, we trust God. We believe God is who he is. And you know what that does? That moves us to position ourselves to receive what God has to give, okay? Because we want to we do this right. We want to be like Abraham. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 8, this is a pretty important verse. It says, they answered him, Abraham was our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing what Abraham did, Okay? So, wow, you know, we need to do what Abraham did. We need to live like Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, again, verse 6. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. Know that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So, so we need to imitate Abraham. How do we do that? Well, we respond to the promises of God. Okay? Right now, I'm not, we're not talking about Abraham anymore. We're talking about us. Okay? We respond to the promises of God. Second Peter talks about the Christian life in this way. He says in verse 4, uh, of Second Peter chapter 1, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. You see, God's not only given Abraham promises. Did you know this? He's given you promises in the word of God. Okay? He's given us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Through God's promises, through believing them, we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. So we need to respond in obedience to the promises of God. God's promises to save those in Christ. God's promises to answer when, when, when we call. God promises to work all things for good. That's at Romans eight twenty eight to those who love him. God promises to give rest to those who take on his yoke. God promises to satisfy the thirsty soul. That's in the Beatitudes. God promises to give both abundant and eternal life to those who, who seek him. God promises never to leave or forsake his children. God promises that, that blessed is the man who meditates on the word of God day and night. God promises that blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth over and over and over again. In the Bible, there's these promises. And the real question is, how have you responded to the promises of God? What Abraham do? Well, he believed, and because he believed, he went, okay? Verse 4, God tells him, go. In chapter 12, he says, go, you know, leave your, leave your family, leave your country, leave your father's house, go, leave everything, leave your security, leave your, your heritage, leave your people. I like what Robert Rayburn said. He, Robert Rayburn said, God never leaves a man where he finds him. Isn't that good? You know, if ever you find somebody who says, hey, I'm born again, I received Christ, I'm a Christian, I know I'm going to heaven, but they're in the same spot they were, when they claim to know that they claim to have came to know God, man, that person hasn't known God because God never leaves a person where He finds him. Okay, and He doesn't leave Abraham where He finds him. He gives Abraham these promises, but then He says, "Abraham, if you believe me, then you'll go." And verse four says, "Abraham went." Okay, he he just goes. He trusts God. He answers with his life. Okay, not just with his words. There's too many people today that just want to answer with the word. Yes, God, I believe you. Okay, but does your life show that? Does your life demonstrate that you believe God? Okay? If you believe God, that's going to have some implications on your life, isn't it? You say, okay, God says, he who loves his wife loves himself. That's in Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, if I believe that, here I go, right? Here I go to Acres, right? Here I go to... 
James Avery Craftsman in, in Oklahoma City, right, to, to buy something nice. Here I, here I go to uh, serve my wife. Here I go through Sonic to get a, a big Diet Coke to, you know, present to her. Here, here I go, okay? If, if that's true, God, then here I go. Okay, God, you said I should forgive my brother because you've forgiven me. Okay, if I believe that, here I go to make the call. Here I go to reconcile. Okay, God, you said seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. Everything I need is going to be added to me. Okay, here I go with my, my daily planner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to schedule God in. You see, faith has a response. And it's not a work. We've got to be real careful here. It's not a work. Abraham, Abraham's work is not that he, that he left. Or that, no, it's a visible demonstration that he believes God. Abraham is positioning himself to receive the blessings of God. God appears and says, this is who I am. I, I'm, I'm the God who's going to bless you and make your name great and, 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 and make you a blessing to all the world. And Abraham says, okay, I believe that. And so he positions himself. He goes to the promised land. He's ready to receive it. You know, it's kind of like if I, if I said, uh, okay, in 30 seconds, out of this tile right here, you're going to fall $100 bills. Okay? In 30 seconds, out of this tile is going to fall $100 bills. They're going to fall for 10 seconds. Okay? If I say that, how are we going to know who believes? Who believes? You know? Who moves? That's right. That's right. Now, did you, did you earn those $100 bills by moving? No. No. You just believed me. And because you believed me, that moved your life from there to right here. You know? We'll probably have some blocking out. People will be using their, ba- their basketball skills. You know? It, it might get ugly up here. But we're going to have people not out there, but right here. Okay? And so the real question is today, if you believe God, if you believe the promises, and I wish we had time just to look at all of them, if you believe the promises of God, What's it going to do to your life? It's going to move you, isn't it? What are you going to do? You're going to open your Bible every morning. Why? Because you're trusting. Okay, God, you said there's a blessing here. You said this word would change my life. You're, you're going to pray because prayer is an exercise of faith. Prayer is saying, okay, God, I'm going to ask you for these great things, and I believe you're a God who answers. And I'm going to ask you to make me who you want me to be. You're going to be involved in a church. You're going to get involved in a small group. Why? Because God tells us, he tells us in his word, that the grace of God comes through the church. It comes through Christ in our relationships. It comes through other believers exercising their spiritual gifts in your life. If you believe those things, it's going to move you somewhere. Okay? It's going to move your life. God blesses Abraham. And through that, Abraham becomes a blessing. It's the same with us, isn't it? Man, when, when, when you receive the promises of God, you become a blessing to other people. I, I, love, I love that. I love that. So God speaks. We're out of time. God speaks through, through what? Sometimes he speaks just to people. He did to Abraham. He did to Noah. For us, God speaks right here through the Bible. Okay? And here's the question. How, how are you going to respond to God's truth spoken to you? You say, well, it's not as dramatic as Abraham. I I don't know. There's some pretty incredible things in this book. It's just a matter, are you going to believe them? Are you going to believe them? Are you going to believe what Jesus has done and what he promises to do? Now, let's not answer with our mouths. Let's be like Abraham. Let's answer with our lives. If I believe that God's going to do what he says he's going to do, then I'm going to move my life so I get it, right? I'm going to move my life to receive it. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so much for your grace to us. I thank you, Jesus, for 
uh, being a promise-making God. And not only a promise-making God, but a promise-keeping God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful. You were faithful to Abraham, and God, you'll be faithful to us. My Father, I ask you to to help us to to respond in, in, in a way that pleases you to your promises. In a way that honors you. In a, in a way that says, God, we trust you. We believe you. Uh, we know your word is true. And we want more and more of you. God, reveal yourself. I pray that your word would, would penetrate in the hearts of people today. Lord, may it start here. God, may it start today in someone's life. Uh, you transforming and, and making them into the image of Christ. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you-